Let's say thank you to the worship team. I, I cannot get over the team that God has brought together between the worship team, Chad, Braxton, Tom. I mean, what a great, um, what a great group I get to minister alongside of. So as we begin this morning, I want to shift gears a little bit and think about the incredibly chaotic painful, difficult season that we've just come through. We've faced a lot with COVID, all the division and divisiveness related to mass, and then there was uh, the race issues, and then there was politics. This has been a brutal last 18 months. And As I was thinking about it, I was thinking, as I was preparing, I was thinking, how do we think about moving forward? What is the path forward? And I was sharing this with uh, Diana and with my son, Nathan, and Nathan said, Dad, I got the best clip that will illustrate this. And so I want us to watch this clip from Apollo 13 and reflect upon it in just a minute. So as you reflect back upon the last 18 months and you hear that phrase, what have you been afraid of? What, what caused you fear? I think about that illustration and I think about, my gosh, we have been in combat conditions. There's a sense in which our Instruments have been jammed. Our radar has been jammed. Our homing signal has been hijacked. Our radio's down. We're running low on fuel. There is incredible chaos and uncertainty. And then one more thing happens. Our map light shorts out. Now, I don't know what you've been going through providentially over the last year, but I hope you're able to say, instead of seeing your map light shorting out as one more reason to cause panic, instead being able to say, that allowed me to be able to see the path forward to see this green path that he describes. I think that is such a beautiful illustration for us. And my hope is that this morning, as we reflect upon this passage, as we reflect upon what we've sung, that a lot of the noise, a lot of the distraction, a lot of the chaos will quiet down And we will be able to see that path forward more clearly. Let me invite you to stand and turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. This is commonly known as the cultural mandate. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. 
Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Let us pray together. Lord God, we ask that you would meet with us and that you would give us wisdom and clarity. Lord, that there truly would be this sense of what is the path forward for us. May we grow from this passage and your Spirit's instruction this morning. We ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. So we're going to consider this passage from uh, two particular points. I know that's uh, anathema that, uh, that we're not going to do at three points, but we'll just do two this morning. Clarity in the midst of chaos comes from knowing who you are. That's point one. And clarity in the midst of chaos also comes from knowing what you were made for. So let's look at point one. Who are you? You know, in this, uh, in this clip, Jim Lovell is a well-trained Navy pilot, and he encounters this emergency. And so what does he do in that situation? He begins to evaluate and assess the situation. He goes through his checklist. He's questioning, do, am I in a situation where I need to ditch this airplane in the sea, or can we get to the carrier? What is the one thing that Jim Lovell did not do? That's not a rhetorical question. Come on. What's the one thing he didn't do? He did not panic. The same must be true for us. When confused, when assailed, when in combat conditions, when we feel like our radar is jammed, our homing signal has been hijacked, when we're running low on fuel, we must not panic. We, we should assess the situation. But let me ask you this. Who are you? Even better question, whose are you? Because if you know who you are, and this passage says who we are, you're going to have confidence in those situations. This passage says that you have been created in the likeness of God and you have been blessed by God. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, have been created in the likeness of God, and blessed. This passage that we just read has come at the end of the creation narrative. It's the climax of the creation narrative, one of the commentators said, it's as if the angels are watching God place his master stroke on creation. I actually believe that God the Father is having fun. So if you go back and you look at the creation narrative, it's all of these third-person 
impersonal, let there be light. Let there be, let there be. But when it comes to the creation of man, what does he say? Let us. It's in the first person. He moves from the impersonal to the personal. It's this divine consultation. And us looking back on it from the New Testament, we know that it's a triune, um, that God is in his triune nature is stating that let us, the triune God, make man. But that wasn't understood in the Old Testament. Basically what their understanding was that God in divine consultation is inviting the angels say, watch this as he creates man. He creates man in his likeness, in his image. Actually, there's a lot of discussion among commentators what that means. And it includes a ton of stuff. It means that we have a capacity to relate to God in, that is distinct from the animals. It means that we have mental and spiritual faculties. It means that we have been called to serve as God's representatives on earth. It means that God's communicable attributes have been given to us. You are able to love you're able to show mercy, you're able to extend kindness because those are character traits of God that he has given to each one of us to be able to demonstrate. But there's more. Think back across the the creation account. God has just brought out of this darkness and chaos. He's He's spoken, and he's spoken light and life into that chaos. He's demonstrated his creativity and his love of beauty. He's also demonstrated his generosity. Sharing in God's likeness means these things are true for us as well. When we move into places of darkness and confusion, we bring light and life. That is God's call. That's God's fingerprint upon each of us. We too are creative creatures and have a love for beauty. Think about God's generosity. And I don't know if you've ever really considered this. So God Almighty creates the Garden of Eden, absolute paradise. For what? It wasn't really for himself. He places Adam and Eve there to enjoy it. And then he says, oh, Adam and Eve, here's my my royal scepter. I want you to reign over my perfect creation. That is generosity, that God would entrust that to us. Life as an image bearer is also sacred. Now, I want to make this a little more personal. It is true. This is true for mankind in general. It was true for Adam and Eve, but
but it's also true for you, for you personally, for each individual in this sanctuary. You have been created in God's image, in His likeness. You bear unimaginable weight and glory. Have you ever thought about the fact that no other human being on the planet has your fingerprint? God has distinctly created you unique, uniquely. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. No other human being shares your DNA. Do you understand that God has made you unique? And you uniquely reflect His glory. No one else can reflect God's glory to the world around like you're able to do. As if that's not enough, in verse 28, he goes on to say that you're, you are blessed. Now, you're going to have to forgive me if you have a I'm blessed bumper sticker or one of those bracelets that say that because I call that Jesus junk and you're going to have to forgive me but I think too often it trivializes the weight and the significance of what God has communicated when he says that we are blessed the favor of the living God rests and abides upon you in your maleness, in your femaleness, you have been created uniquely to reflect the glory of God. And then for you ladies, I want you to notice that it says, He blessed them. Adam was the only one created at this point. But I think there's a distinction that is being made here, that women reflect God's glory in a way that men are not able. And you too should feel that. Weight of glory. C.S. Lewis says in his book, Weight of Glory, that if we really understood the glory that God has bestowed upon each human being, we'd be tempted to fall down and worship. And just a little farther, he goes on to say, there are no ordinary people. We have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, art, civilization, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Do you understand the immense glory that God the Father has placed upon you. Now, I know what you're thinking. Now, wait a minute, Tom. What about chapter 3? What about the fall? It's all ruined. No. The fall has significantly marred the created order, but it has not ruined it. The image of God may be shattered, but discernible glory still shines through. 
Do you know what kintsugi is? That's that Japanese art where a broken piece of pottery is, is mended and glued back together with gold. And there's a sense in which the pottery is actually more beautiful after it has been broken. Its brokenness radiates a glory and a beauty. And that is true for us as well. But the enemy would have us focus on our weaknesses, on our failures, on our inadequacies, and forget who we truly are. Now, I'm going to share with you a little bit about myself. Most of you know that I'm a twin, and my twin brother Bob and I were born two months premature in 1960. That was not a good thing back then. I was the runt of the litter. I didn't quite weigh three pounds. I was weak. I had zero athletic ability. I swear in the womb my brother stole whatever athletic ability I had. Now, it's really funny now, and I can build stuff, which is really cool, and I've got that on him. But when I was a teenager, that was rough. On my best day, I was an average student. I am not the smartest guy in the room. Now, what the enemy does, that is the loop that plays in my head whenever the fiery darts of the enemy come at me. I'm weak. I'm insecure. I'm not smart. I don't have what it takes. What's the loop that plays in your head? Where does the enemy come after you with your weaknesses and inadequacies and go after you to make you either forget or look away from who you really are? Because when that happens, what we begin to do is we begin to live and act like orphans. For me, I react out of my insecurities, fear, or self-righteousness. I want to make myself out to be better than this other person. And I would say that has probably been the chief point of repentance that I've had to, to wrestle with over the pandemic. So many times I have not believed the best about a fellow believer are treated someone with the respect that they deserve as an image bearer. What about you? What is the place where you are prone to act as an orphan rather to, than to step fully into who you've been created by God to be and live that out in the fullest? We need to remind each of us, need to remind ourselves, we need to remind one another. It's one of the reasons we do life corporately, that we have been called by God to serve as his vice regents over his entire created order. 
and that his special favor rests upon us. Now I want you to reflect upon this and hold this in contrast as well. Think about the unbelievable grace of God to you that he would bless you, that his image would rest and abide upon you, his likeness, that he has specially designed you, that he has blessed you, and that you and I have created, not created, we have committed the most unfathomable cosmic treason that could be imagined that God would treat us with such kindness and that we as mankind and we individually would rebel against God in all of his grace and kindness the father would have every right in the world to judge us but he doesn't instead he mounts the most incredible costly rescue mission imaginable he sends not as other kings would do and send the sons of their subjects he sends his own son his only son to pay the price that we could never afford to pay to pay the penalty that we could never pay and to adopt us to redeem us to himself Jesus gave up his righteous life for you and for me, and we are more gloriously blessed than you can ever fathom. So let me encourage you, before you think or say or post something negative or disparaging about someone else, remember that person is an image bearer as well. Look around. You are interacting with image bearers. That person who you might be tempted to disparage is an image bearer regardless of race, religion, politics, or ethnicity. And so let us be careful not to malign one upon whom the likeness of God rests. In this chaotic world, you want clarity? Keep focused on the path ahead. Keep stepping fully into who God has created you to be. And that chaos around you will be diminished. So let's consider point two. Clarity in the midst of chaos comes from knowing what you were made for as well. If we continue this analogy, Jim Lovell is a well-trained Navy pilot. He had a job to do. Sure, he had experienced difficulty. He had experienced fearful situations. But then he, relay, he relied upon his training to do the next right thing. In our chaotic world, it's easy to become distracted and busy with everything that is insignificant. And I think this is a time for us to focus Focus back on that for which we were created. So the next phrase in this passage says that we are to be fruitful, to multiply, to exercise dominion for his glory. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. 
we're to be fruitful and to multiply. And so let me ask you, what is this command saying? Yes, we're to have a bunch of babies. Y'all, come on. I laid that right out there for you. <laughs> okay, it is a, a call and command that we be fruitful. Yes, that we have lots of babies, but it's so much more. This passage is about marriage and about procreation. We as believers should be fruitful and have children. And we should do it as an act of faith, not considering conveniences, not considering cultural norms, but before the Lord. How many children would he have us have? And then as a part of exercising dominion, we should raise those children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Where's Barbara? I expect that. Loud amen from Barbara, right? But I got this question for you. I am almost 61 years old. How am I supposed to obey this command? Now, we did have four children. We do have four children. I shouldn't say that in past tense. And if my math is correct, we have multiplied ourselves. But we haven't had a child in 30 years. So how, how do I obey this command now? What about the singles in our congregation? Are they in breach of contract because they failed to fulfill this command? What about those who long to have children and are not able I think too often we interpret this passage too narrowly. Every one of us, because we, have, because we bear the image of God and have been blessed, we can fulfill this command to be fruitful every single day of our lives. And I think we're called to do it on a daily basis. We are called as vice regents to see God's righteous, benevolent reign pressed out into the whole world. His shalom, wholeness, peace extended to every inch of his created order. I love that the description in this passage is across the land, across the sea, in the air. There is isn't one inch of this world that God isn't calling us to be fruitful and multiply and exercise dominion in. It is a corporate call as well for us as a church, but this is an individual call. You see, every one of us has particular gifts, has particular talents and resources that God is calling upon us to mobilize with intentionality and deliberateness. It's like we ought to wake up every morning, just like in... In Genesis chapter 12, it says that uh, Abraham, through Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. There ought to be this sense that every morning, every one of us wakes up and says, I can't wait to bless the world around me with the gifts that God has entrusted to me. Do you know what the companion passage to this passage is? 
the, the, excuse me, the New Testament companion passage? It's the Great Commission. Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. That is what it means to be fruitful. The interpretation in the New Testament of what the Old Testament meant was that we should go forth into all the world, baptizing and teaching. For me, what does it look like for me to be fruitful and multiply? I, through the battle process, I've learned a lot about myself and learned that if I'm anything, I am an encourager. And I learned some stuff too about that means I can speak courage into other people's souls. And so one of the ways that I feel like I get to multiply myself and be fruitful is in discipling young people who are considering going to missions. I love doing that too with our mission interns. I get to to disciple them, share with them scripture and pray with them and teach them. And it has been amazing. Another example, Diana loves beauty. And our home is a place of beauty and rest and peace. And when people come to our home, they are ministered to by being with her and by being in our home. And that's a, another beautiful way that she is able to be fruitful through that gift. She also exercises some mean dominion. She cuts the grass. And I am the envy of all the men in the neighborhood because she does the yard work. There, there are so many examples that I could give you. Think about Gina Hurry. Gina is an artist. Gina could have just focused on her art, but instead she had a vision for multiplication, pressing the shalom of God out into the arts community across our city, supporting and encouraging artists. That's, they need encouragement and in introducing many of them to Jesus. John Langford and Greg Mixon, to me, are great examples. Entrepreneurs who use their gifts and their skills and their talents to mentor young people who would never have the opportunities if these men didn't reach out to them. There are a lot of other examples, but I want to share one with you, my, my friend Buddy. I have longed to get Buddy to come to Oak Mountain and to have him come share some of his stories. I've never met one single man in who so many stories about kingdom vision existed. But Buddy died and is with Jesus. He died a few weeks ago. And so he's not going to be able to come share those. So I'm going to share one of his stories with you this morning. Buddy worked in a factory. He's a layman at a church in uh, Virginia. And this factory was going to replace this mile-long conveyor belt. I didn't know those. I didn't know such a thing existed. But Buddy said to his company, he "said What are y'all going to do with this conveyor belt?" And they said, "We're going to throw it away." And he said, "Don't do that. I want it." He said, "Okay." So Buddy takes this mile-long conveyor belt, and I would love to have a picture of that. 
how he got that thing home. Buddy cut that mile-long conveyor belt up into 12-foot strips and sold it to horse farms across the area. I didn't know this was a thing, but it's really expensive to buy a mat to put down in a horse stable, a rubber mat. And those are expensive and hard to come by. And Buddy did that. He sold a bunch of those things. He raised thousands of dollars. And from that, he gave it all to missions. He gave it to his church to give to missions. And they were able to give $30,000 to an orphanage in India. How cool is that? But here's the thing. Every one of you have resources, have gifts, have talents that God has entrusted to you. How would he have you Use those opportunities to bless the world around you. This past year has been very revealing. We've experienced a lot of death, uncertainty, fear, dissension. I think one of the things I've reflected on most over the last month is that life is short and life is uncertain. So we need to make the most of our days. Jesus in John 13, right before he washed the disciples' feet, he said, that there's a preface, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, there's a preface to right before he washes his disciples' feet, he said, he knew who he was, he knew where he'd come from, he knew where he was going, so he got up from the table and washed his disciples' feet. If you are focused on who you are and the ways that you might most effectively serve the Lord and reflect His glory, you're going to be a lot less unsettled in this chaotic world. There's another quote from Apollo 13 that I think is fantastic. There's this guy in the control room and he's going, everything's going wrong and 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 the heat shield's broken and there's this and there's that. And this guy, one of the the control room commanders turns to him and says, Sir, with all due respect, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. I think that is the opportunity for the church right now. Jim Lovell concludes his interview by saying, You never know what events will transpire to get you home. I don't know what you are facing this morning or what you are going to face in the future, but I do know this. If we will keep our eyes focused on Him and the path forward, remembering who you are and what He has created you for, He'll lead you home and will satisfy your soul in the process. Let's pray together. Lord God, we truly are grateful to you for your grace, your kindness, your lavish goodness to us. We're humbled considering that. And Lord, we do ask that you would help us to let all of the noise and all of the distractions fall away 
and that you would give us crystal clear clarity about the path ahead, how you would have us walk and serve you on our way home. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Let me invite you to stand and receive the benediction. This is God's gracious word to you. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his throne of glory with exceeding great joy to the only wise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be glory and honor, majesty and dominion now and forevermore. Amen.